Welcome to the Charlotte Shields Coaching Podcast. I have real answers from real spouses of how to uplevel your marriage, even if you've lost hope. You can be the spouse you want to be, and you'll feel appreciated, cared for, and desired again. Let's create your marriage miracle. It's simple, but not easy. Nothing worth having ever is. Stick around to learn what it takes to create the marriage you've always dreamed of. Hey, so excited to be here today. Hope you are too. So I want to talk about why we need to talk is the worst phrase ever. But before we do that, I have to tell you two awesome things. First, this week, my husband went to return my daughter's skis to our local ski resort. We had lost my son's skis the very first runs of the season. We He accidentally just left them on the ground and did not put them in the truck. And so we kept going back. It snowed, of course, right after he left the skis up there. And it snowed and snowed probably a couple of feet. And so we kept going back to the ski resort and saying, did anyone return those skis? And, and they all said no. And so anyway, my husband's returning these skis. Remember, seek and expect miracles, right? I always end my podcast with those words, because guess what? When you seek and expect miracles in the small things, and you pray for the small things, when they happen, you have more faith for the big, big things like your marriage and things improving in that way. So Anyway, he went to return my daughter's skis and he asked them one more time, did you receive these skis? Did you, did anyone find them? And they said, no. And then he pointed to some skis that were sitting right there. And he said, you know what? They look a lot like those. And the boy that he was talking to went over and looked at him and he said, oh, these are your son's skis. So we saved all this money, right? By this crazy, I call it miracle. I know you are maybe going to call it a coincidence, but I call these miracles. I even call miracles, miracles when I am needing a parking spot and I'm in a rush and someone pulls out right in front of me. I'm like, yep, that's my miracle for the day. So be looking for those, be on the lookout and thank heavenly father when they happen. So before we get started, I am super excited to tell you about my spring coaching sale. Before we hit summer and life gets crazy, I'm offering half off of my eight-week coaching package. As I mentioned last week, each session will cost $25 for those eight weeks. They normally cost $50, so it's half off. I've had so many clients say that eight weeks of coaching was enough to completely change their lives. The only catch is that you need to go to charlotteshieldscoaching.com and you have to sign up by April 17th. That's how long the code's going to last because it's going to end tomorrow. I would love to get this coaching in for you before we both get crazy busy with summer. And I want to spend time, more time with my kids when they're home. So put in that coupon code two for one under the H general coaching package and let's work together for eight weeks. Let's get clarity on whatever you're working on or anything that's not as good as you would like it to be in your life. In my life, managing my mind has been most needed and most important in those relationships closest to me. I have needed to decide who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up with those I spend the most time with. Of course, this is almost always our family members. To maintain healthy relationships with the people I care about most, managing my mind has been essential. Not being able to work through difficulties in a healthy way 
makes it impossible to continue enjoying these relationships. So when things got really hard in the past, and not just with my husband, but with others, it was easier for me to just avoid. I would keep my distance emotionally or physically because I thought that it would be easier and I wouldn't say or do things I wish that I hadn't. But the real reason why I avoided them was because of the thoughts I was thinking about what they'd said and done. Coaching others, I've learned that I'm not the only one. We often believe that not saying anything is better than saying things we will regret. And this may be true. We justify avoiding our spouses or people close to us, but it doesn't fix the issue. There continue to be underlying negative feelings between us. Even though we've said nothing, have you noticed this? We feel disconnected and distant. And then we have this added layer of guilt about that because we know that we should want to spend time with them. It's not normal for humans to have little or no interaction with each other. It hurts. It feels weird. But what if there were another option besides telling your husband or your mother or your sister-in-law, we need to talk or staying quiet and feeling resentful. I loved President Nelson's most recent talk entitled Peacemakers Needed. I hope you'll listen to it if you haven't listened to it yet. It was so excellent. So one quote from this talk is, anger never persuades. Hostility builds no one. Contention never leads to inspired solutions. Regrettably, we sometimes see the contentious behavior even within our own ranks. So he's talking about us. We hear of those who belittle their spouses and children, of those who use angry outbursts to control others, and of those who punish family members with the silent treatment. I like that the prophet includes belittling, angry outbursts, and the silent treatment as forms of contention. I coach on these a lot. You may feel like President Nelson is describing your spouse. I have clients right now who do. So let's first address, let's just address the silent treatment because this is what I was just talking about. I have been guilty of this for sure. Why is that? One reason has to do with our primitive brain. It's our primitive brain's job to keep us safe and alive. Our primitive brain tries to protect us in three ways. I try to remember it by thinking of the movie, The Croods. When I imagine my primitive brain, if you have not seen that movie, you've got to see it. It's so good. So the primitive brain tries to convince us that we need to survive by avoiding pain. So stay in the cave, sleep in a pile, uh, seek pleasure. So that's getting food or propagating the species. Or the third one, exert as little energy as possible. Hide, lay around, go on vacation a ton. Um, if we are unaware of our primitive brain, it can run our lives. Unconsciously living our lives with our primitive brain at the steering wheel is a mistake. We give in to our appetites and passions. We seek pleasure. We find ourselves at the mercy of our bodily appetites very often. We may buffer, which is a form of avoiding by distracting ourselves. So in this day and age, our behaviors are usually overing things. So overeating, over drinking, over sleeping, over spending, over Netflixing, over video gaming, over scrolling social media, over working, over exercising, over porning, you get the idea. Buffering is a subject for another podcast, but it is whatever form of avoiding we use as an escape of our lives, and it gives us a net negative in our lives. 
Just know that when we continually follow the impulse of our primitive brain, we live a small life with a lot of negative results. We actually compound our problems instead of solving them. It's very much this mentality of the natural man. So giving into our primitive brain works for a short term. We get a dopamine hit and we do avoid pain temporarily, or we get that pleasure or we exert as little energy as possible, but we add pain to our futures. What I see a lot is overeating. So we overeat and we get a dopamine hit right now. And then we start to gain weight. And eventually we aren't healthy and we cause discomfort in the future. I have one client who I coached for eight weeks and she's literally lost 105 pounds and kept it off for six months. Total life-changing. Besides the ones I've mentioned, another way to avoid pain is to blame our anger on others instead of ourselves. This often happens in relationships. Often we think that we are avoiding pain, but we are just transferring it. We also might do the bare minimum to get by instead of intentionally pushing ourselves in ways that will change the outcome of our jobs, our lives, our relationships. When it comes to difficult relationships in my life, my primitive brain likes to avoid. It's very good at justifying me avoiding relationships that are hard, but now I'm on to my brain. I find myself making excuses to avoid others and justify myself. Maybe it's because they're too grouchy, too much, too controlling. They complain or compare. They sap my energy. We can minimize our time with people who aren't close to us, and it might even be fine. And I actually have done that. It's hard to do thought work all the time, and especially on people that's relationships aren't super important to you. But when it comes to people I really care about, this strategy doesn't work. I see this often on coaching and marriage. This relationship marriage, it matters. It filters into every area of your life. You can't just ignore it. We can't let our primitive brain override our most important relationships. The problem is that if we let our primitive brain take charge in these cases of the closest of our family members, including parents, siblings, spouses, children, or close, close friends, we lose. We lose every time. These relationships are important. They matter. They're a huge part of our purpose and our curriculum in this life of how to evolve to become more like our savior and how we will feel fulfilled and whole in this life. So if we don't want to have the talk, which usually ends in angry outbursts and more contention or give our spouses a silent treatment, what are our other options? I have some ideas that have worked wonders in my marriage, but know that they require work from you and your spouse may never change what they're doing. That's okay. They don't have to. They can still be angry or complain or compare or even avoid. I can still feel better and act better regardless. Isn't that freeing to know? I It sure is to me because in my experience, trying to change other people doesn't work. So if all you've got is you and you want to feel better, you can empower yourself. So I want to share with you three of my favorite ideas. The number one idea, love yourself, love yourself so that you can become better at loving in general. That is by far the first part of the work. I think the hardest person I have had to learn to love in this life, in this work is myself. When I finally gave myself permission, time and energy to learn how to love myself, I also got way better at loving my spouse and everyone else. One of the most important things I teach my clients is to find out who they are, 
find out what they desire and live into that identity. Part of being able to do this is realizing that life is 50-50, good and bad. And we are 50-50, good and bad. That is part of the opposition in all things that we signed up for. If we come to a place of peace with the reality that both our husband and us or our wife and us are okay, we will have way more peace. It's part of the plan that we have weaknesses and strengths, every single one of us. And when we embrace both, we just start to enjoy this human experience so much more. We can start being who we are without apology. And we can allow others to be who they are without judging. Many of my clients who are women want a deeper relationship with their husbands. They yearn for true intimacy. This is created when both partners are allowed to be themselves. Can you be okay with yourself when you're not at your best? Can you be okay and hold space for your partner when they lose their temper? Can, do you often find yourself making generalized sweeping judgments about both of you? It's because you're being really hard on yourself. Start to work on those thoughts first. Intentionally work on thoughts of love and acceptance for you. And they will spill over into the thoughts of love for your spouse. This will create the intimacy you crave. It's a beautiful thing. And I see it over and over again. Okay, I have to tell you the opposite's also true. So let me give you an example. When you don't love yourself, you create a lack of love. If I find myself critical of how I parent, and if I'm constantly putting down myself for all the things I say or do that I don't measure up, if I tell myself I'm not a good parent, then I am creating a pattern of finding fault with myself. I'm learning this skill and I'm actually perfecting the art of being good at criticizing. And that will spill into my relationship with my spouse. This happens unconsciously. That's the tricky thing. You may not say anything, but he feels it from you. I, you'll judge yourself. And then because you feel rotten, you'll judge your spouse. You'll start to pick about his pick apart his parenting and look for evidence of where his parenting is la lacking also. Theodore Roosevelt, which this is one of my very favorite quotes. I may have said it in a past podcast, but it's worth repeating. Comparison is a thief of joy. If you are always wishing for an idealized version of yourself, your spouse, your family, you'll always find everyone lacking because we're all 50, 50, 50% 50 of the time. We're not that great. <laughs> Imagine how much you are missing out on the actual people you get to have in your real life right now. In this moment, you have the blessing of being a spouse and a parent, and it's a privilege. You have the opportunity to be a daughter or a son if your parents are still alive. It's a privilege. You have the privilege of working with people every day at work, and it's a privilege. Stay in the present moment. It is the best. Comparisons in the past create depression of what should have or could have been. We feel sad, anxiety will reside in the future, what we need people and things to be and what we need them to do. But if we just look around and stay in gratitude this moment, who we really are, where we really are, this is where it's it. This is where we're at. This is all we've got. What can happen? <clears throat> I'll tell you because I've done this work so long. We start to tap into our truest desires and we allow others theirs. 
I've been searching for evidence in the scriptures of Christ staying in the present. And I have found so many. He was just perfect at that. Like everything else, he possessed every amazing quality, right? He possessed all of them. And he constantly reminded his apostles to take no thought for the morrow. Consider the lilies of the field. Take no purser script. Have faith as a mustard seed. Fear not. He's constantly saying, God's got this. Calm down. Like everything that's happening, it's okay. As I've searched, I found so much evidence in the scriptures, in the New Testament for being present, looking around, seeing that all is well in this moment. Can you imagine Jesus being able to see that every day with people that are foaming at the mouth and throwing themselves into fires and women who are about to be stoned? I mean, that's some pretty serious stuff he's dealing with. Everyone, no matter how they are behaving, is doing the best they can in this very moment. That's one of my favorite thoughts. And when they mess it up, which we all do, the atonement is there to access because of our savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, be honest, but do it kindly. You may have to do some models and thought work in order to do this. Like sometimes we have to imagine this situation coming up and then really plan beforehand how we want to think about it or what we want to feel about it because our actions will just happen. So, but it looks like telling someone the truth with kindness and understanding. Remember, you don't tell them the truth in order for them to change. They will feel the difference. Okay. So just stick to the circumstances, tell them the facts of what they did, then your thoughts and how you felt. That's it. But you take full responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings about those facts. Remember facts are neutral. The circumstance line is neutral. Don't blame them for your emotions. Just tell the truth. You don't need to please people, which is a form of lying. It is so refreshing for others when you are courageous and vulnerable enough to share your truth with them in a kind way. I had a client who was doing my body fix program and she was eating no flour or sugar for six weeks. And she had to travel for work and was worried about going to get ice cream with her coworkers. She says, every time we go on these trips, we always go get ice cream in the evenings. She told me that she planned on getting in line and then pretending she'd get ice cream, but then not getting it and just go and sit with everyone. She didn't want to exclude herself from getting ice cream and have connection with her coworkers. She also didn't want her coworkers to feel like they couldn't go get ice cream and would be leaving her out if they did. So I, we looked at some models and I told her, you know, you could just be honest And she could tell them she wanted to go to ice cream, spend time with them. She wasn't going to eat ice cream because she's not eating flour or sugar right now. And she thought, no, that would be way too awkward. And I assured her that what would be even more awkward was sitting at a table after pretending and everyone wondering what was going on. Like, why is she not eating ice cream? Why was she in line with us? What is going on? When she returned from the trip, she told me that telling the truth was scary. Like she was sweating it. But she said it ended up being so awesome. Her coworkers were surprisingly supportive of her and super impressed with her result. And they appreciated appreciated her more, not less, for being honest. I see this time and time again. Have the courage to tell the truth in a kind way. Number three is give grace. Give yourself and others the benefit of the doubt. When people are late, don't, don't respond to your text. They say something rude. They forget something important to you. Give them grace. 
Now, this doesn't mean to not have boundaries and acting like everything's okay when it's not. That's more people pleasing and not having your own back. So let me give you an example. My family and my friends all forgot my birthday when I turned 15. By the end of the day, I was super upset. I judged and I blamed everyone. I cried. I sat in my room. I shut everyone out. I didn't tell anyone. I had the worst birthday ever. For a while, I hung on to that painful story, like years in my life, right? This lack of love and care by those who were very closest to me. But now I've chosen grace. You can do this with all your past painful stories. Did you know that? You can't change the past, but you can give grace, forgiveness, and peace. And you will have so many, so just an awesome experience. I have done this work. So in this instance, I now choose to believe that my family and friends loved me all along. They had a lot on their plates. They were super busy. They didn't mean to hurt me when they forgot my birthday. I have also made sure I've never had a bad birthday since. Believe me, when I say everyone knows when my birthday is coming up, I make sure I plan and discuss what I want to do. I make sure it happens when I turn 50. I told people two years before, I'm going up in a hot air balloon with my family when I turn 50. And guess what? It happened. I have so much more control over things than I ever believed. Let's say that you know something is going to happen as it has in the past with your spouse and you need a boundary around it. Here's an example and plan it out beforehand. Remember I said, think about, you know, what's going to happen. You know, what's coming. You know how you usually act. It looks like this. Hey, this, uh, sorry, this is what creating a boundary looks like. Hey, so the next time you say that thing, I'm going to take a drive in the car. I'm not going to stay here and listen, and I'm not going to argue back. I'm just going to leave. I'm doing this because I love you and I love me, not because I want to avoid you and I'm trying to avoid you. Then take your drive the next time this happens and go get yourself a delicious treat. At least that's what I would do. You don't have to just drive around, but I like to give myself a reward. (laughs) Take care of yourself. Pat yourself on the back. Tell yourself how proud you are of your you for being who you wanted to be in this situation and not doing the same ugly dance you've done numerous times. By the end of being super good to yourself, you may even want to get your spouse a treat too, because guess what? You will feel way better. You'll be thinking better thoughts. As you drive around, you'll be thinking, I'm amazing. I didn't argue back. I didn't do any of the behaviors I usually do. So when setting boundaries like this, always do it from a place of love. Whatever you decide, it's you doing the thing. In this case, in leaving. Only set a boundary in a way that you can control. So when people get this wrong, they say things like, "Um, if you say that again, you have to leave. You can't control another adult. So it can't be that. That's why you have to think through these boundaries if you decide you need one. And you know what? You'll probably not need very, very many boundaries in your life because you have thought work. You can manage your mind. You can allow your emotions. That's every once in a while, you really do need a boundary. And that's what it will look like. So just decide what you will do. Make sure it's you doing it, not them, and do it from a place of love. So that's all I've got for you today. Sure love all of you. And I hope this information has helped. Do not forget, as always, seek and expect miracles. And we will see you next time.